0: Hello and welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. We want to close out the year strong. So with today's episode, which we know you will thoroughly enjoy, we want to throw you a couple classic moments that involve some holiday cheer, including the night the Freebirds turned on the Von Ericks at Christmas Star Wars, as well as the night the BWO took over Times Square and Santa Claus ate a superkick from Big Stevie Cool. So sit back, relax, enjoy some holiday memories, courtesy of the two-man power trip of wrestling, as told by... Ring announcer Mark Lawrence and the Blue Meanie himself. So stay tuned, have a happy holiday.
1: Hey, he's going out the door here. He Ric Flair again. Oh, Carey Butter hit in the head by the cage door as Gordy threw it to and Carey Butter smashed by the cage door leaning over the rope. I don't know, that cage door slammed into his head. Kerry shaken, battered. Certainly had the match won. Michael Hayes lost his composure as a referee on both sides. And now Ric Flair is in the urgency of the moment. Gary's eyes half closed. He seems to be in terrible shape. And Ric Flair just pounding away. Well, the Freebirds came to the Dallas office as, as baby faces. Uh, won the crowd to their side. They were complimentary of the Von Eriks and teamed with the Von Eriks. And that big change from baby face to heel uh, all came about at a big wrestling Star Wars event at Reunion Arena. Uh, Michael Hayes was an incredibly animated individual, but his off-the-apron manner, his charisma, his flamboyance, his psychology, made him so incredible. And so while the cage door showcased that well, anytime Michael was allowed to run free and be Michael, it was exciting. And so often in our office, it was the heels who had more personality than the baby faces did. Made them a lot more fun to be around in terms of the excitement and entertainment of it all.
2: Here's Santa Claus's helpers, ladies and gentlemen.
1: A day or two ago,
3: I thought
2: I'd
1: say... B.W.O. 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 Oh, f*** oh, man,
4: oh, sorry,
5: sorry. Hey, sorry. Uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you. New New York City, uh, man. Let's go check out the tree. Oh, the tree's cool,
6: cool. Man. Oh! B.W.O. 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 B-W-O!
2: me that
5: toy train when I was nine. Film it's called you know in the movie business they call it running gun. You do just go film the thing, leave, you know, to get around permits and stuff like that. But at Santa Claus wasn't a wrestler. He was just a street performer. And we were walking around filming stuff all day. And we're sitting there like, well what should we do? We're standing there with you know our hands on our head, you know, you know, go, oh man, oh we got, you know, we got the ice you know the ice rink, we got the this, we got this guy comes over in a Santa suit, Spanish accent, taps his own shirt. Goes, I want to be on TV. I'm like, ah, yeah. And the funny thing is about that Stevie kick, that was the second one he gave him. That was a, that was a second taker, and he did. The, you know, I'm dating myself with this reference, but he did the Nasty plunge right on the concrete floor. Mm-hmm. Google it, YouTube it, nasty plunge. But he did the Nasty plunge right on the, the concrete, and we're just like, we're settling. We're like, is he getting up? Is he getting up? You up, and he got up. He went. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he wanted to do it. We did it. And It's fantastic, you know. WWE. You know, uh, every Christmas they put that up on their YouTube page and stuff like that. Uh, it's it just one of those random things, you know. Paulie says, "Come up to the studio. We're doing something." Okay, where are we going? Times Square. All right.
2: Ten degrees so cold that I had to pull my socks up to have some part of my body just covered. <laughs> it was 10 <laughs> degrees. Um, I remember we were walking around, we were in front of the, the ice thing doing our deal, and people were looking at us like we're, imagine today, we're just, there's no way we'd get close to those places in a post-911 world. <laughs> but um, uh, the, the karaoke guy really got mad. I'm sure Meany told you about that. He was mad. Uh, that we knocked over the box. Remember, I grabbed the microphone, BWO, BWO, no, knocked no, him yeah. over, and he was like, what the fuck are you doing? And he was all mad. <laughs> uh, then the Santa Claus, I didn't expect him to take a, such a good bump. Uh, he was a Mexican Santa Claus. Did Meanie point that out? That was the funniest yeah, part of it all. Yeah, he uh, did. We gave, him 20, we gave him 20 bucks. he He got kicked and he ate the kick, which I didn't want him to do, I even said, please don't, because I used to wear, like, military boots with the wrestling soles, I I just went to, like, an old army-navy store, bought $10 boots and put the soles on them, and, you know, they're pretty heavy boots, and he, uh, he took it like a champ, and he took a bump, and he was fine, he got up, hugged us, he was excited, I wonder, I wonder if that guy still, like, shows people at or if he's still around, that's, I'm curious about that. Or if you sell Max Santa Claus in New York City.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Eat Your Coffee. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production.
1: You want it in Augusta,
3: and
6: it's great. You know, thank you very much for, you know, just like a dream come through. The biggest thing that ever happened to me in my life, you know, and even right after the match was over, I knew that I got to one, two, three count, but when I come up off a Harley race, you know, I I still, I don't know if I just didn't realize it or couldn't even comprehend it. I don't don't know, just like I said, you know, I'm all fired up, excited, you know, and I just like to think, you know, I'd like to thank all the people, you know, they've uh, been with me all the way, you know, I said, home is where the heart is, and there's no doubt about it, Georgia is my home, and, and, you know, I want to represent the belt for the people. And, uh, this isn't just my belt, it's the people's belt, too, because, you know, without them, I wouldn't be where I'm at today, Freddie.
1: Tommy, the first time in history anybody from Georgia ever won the NWA World's Heavyweight Wrestling Championship. It's got to be the biggest thrill, and rightfully so, of your life.
6: Well, Freddy, you know, what What can I say? You know, I, it's the ultimate high of your life, you know. You know, just like I said, my first dream was to be a wrestler. Then, you know, i become a wrestler, and, uh... Then then I shot at Harley Race and I didn't do good and and I wrestled him before and I thought it was the end of everything. You know, just like I said, I, I went home and uh, I thought I'd never have a chance again. And I come back to Georgia and I got my chance and uh, with the people was behind me all the way. And there wasn't, you know, after it was all over and, and when Ronnie West grabbed my hand and raised <laughs> it up in there, you know, Freddie, I knew it was there. I knew I'd finally got what I'd been working so hard for. This
0: is the two-man power trip of wrestling. And you're listening to the Christmas 2018 edition of the two-man power trip of wrestling. Brought to you today and powered by our sponsors, Eat Your Coffee. Energize the moment with Eat Your Coffee. Of course, you know by now their coffee-infused bars are causing a lot of people to energize the moment. Which you can do all throughout the calendar year of 2019. So stay tuned a little bit later on in this interview today. With our guest, Wildfire Tommy Rich, to find out more about Eat Your Coffee. And if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad. And as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only J.P. John Paz. And on today's show, like I mentioned, we've got Wildfire Tommy Rich. An interesting interview that has quite possibly been uh, sitting on our shelves for too long of a time but in the world of podcasting in the world of multimedia not everything always makes it out to the airwaves in the timely manner it should but also when you have some audio related problems you got to do what you can with what you got and we are saving it for christmas 2018 today as tommy rich finally graces the airwaves of the two-man power trip and of course tommy rich is a former NWA. World Heavyweight Champion having defeated Handsome Harley Race in 1981 to win that championship but only holding the title for a mere four days which rather controversially is uh, a very short title reign for an NWA champion and if you look back at the history books it is one of the shortest reigns for an NWA World Heavyweight Champion but that does not discount where Tommy Rich has been and what he has done. Obviously, he's been all over the map. He's been in Memphis. He's been in Georgia. He's been in all Japan. He has been everywhere that you could possibly think of, including an amazing and hilarious stint in ECW in the late 1990s as part of the FBI, because when you think of FBI, you always think about Tommy Rich, but he had his buddy Paul Heyman kind of uh, help him out there, and you're going to hear about some of that. In the interview as well. But the interview is just fun. You know, what John went through to get this taken care of back when we recorded it was uh, quite hilarious. And it was basically, what night is Tommy Rich going to join us? And uh, we sat on that phone many a times and waited for him to pick up this phone call. And we finally got it done. And of course, you know, like I said at the top of this, we had to wait a little bit of time to put this out because of some of the uh, maintenance issues that we had with the file. But hey, This is your Christmas gift from the two-man power trip. Enjoy Tommy Rich. He is quite the trip. So stay tuned and enjoy everything. And we just want to thank everybody who has listened to all the episodes of the two-man power trip this year in 2018. And we've got one more to close out 2018 before we flip the calendar over into a huge 2019. A lot of big things brewing on the back end for the two-man power trip, including the two conventions, which you hear me talking about which is the markout at the Meadowlands Convention on April 7th, 2019, the day of WrestleMania at the Meadowlands Plaza Hotel? You can go to matmcon.com for more information. And then our big one, TMPT Con 3, a celebration of the Midnight Express and Jim Cornette for their 35th anniversary. And already signed to appear are Jim Cornette, Dennis Condry, Bobby Eaton and Stan Lane, the Midnight Express coming to Richmond, Virginia for the first time in a long time. And it'll all be going down on May 18th, 2019 in Richmond, Virginia. So stay tuned to the two man power trip of wrestling podcasts. And you'll hear more information about the guests that have been announced will be announced and who is coming soon. So with all that being said, let's wrap it up here. Let's throw it on over to Tommy Rich. This is a fun one. Have a happy holiday, a merry Christmas, and a joyous new year. We will see you on the flip side. So let's hit you with a little bit of Two Man Power Trip of wrestling business, and let's get this show on the road.
4: Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno Sammartino, the late great American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, the enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane, Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. And for all you Android users, please hit us up on Google Play or Player FM. And all you iOS users, please check us out on TuneIn Radio, Automatic,
0: Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. And now a former two-time AWA Southern Heavyweight Champion, a former four-time AWA Southern Tag Team Champion, he is also a former four-time USWA World and Tag Team Champion, a Smoky Mountain Wrestling Heavyweight Champion, and of course an NWA World Heavyweight Champion. He is the wildfire, he is Tommy Rich. Please enjoy. Sent him the
1: other way with a clothesline, and now Tommy Rich, maybe trying to end it all here. High back body drop, sense press, out of the ropes, and that is it. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your winner, Wildfire Tommy Rich. Tommy Rich gets a win right here on Worldwide Wrestling. Yep. Tommy shoots him in, Pat and Luthez press, down he goes, and another victory in the books for Tommy, wildfire, Rich. Tremendous tag team match yet to come this week as the Master Blasters take
7: on the Steiners. I can't wait for this one, it's a main event anywhere in the country.
3: Big John and little Chadwick.
7: I guess Ch- Chadwick's the uh, the affectionate name tonight. We could just go with Chad to be formal, but uh whatever whatever you want to call me, Mr. Rich, is uh is perfectly fine. Just don't call me uh Mr uh you know, Mr. Jerk or something. That's fine.
3: <laughs> well just uh, you can call me anything you want to but mister. Every time I get called mister, I have to assume position.
7: All right. Well, joining us on the line tonight is a man who, when you think about his career, you think about the name that's been associated with him, and that is quite simply a wildfire. He is a former NWA World Heavyweight Champion, and we've been waiting to do this for a long time, but we are welcoming in the one and only Tommy Rich. Thank you so much for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling.
3: It's it's a pleasure, Big John. And uh, Chad, thank you for having me on.
7: Oh, it's our pleasure. Like we said, it's been a long time coming, but we're... uh, we're really pumped, man. We're we're so happy to have you. There's so much we want to get into, obviously one of the most storied careers and a guy that a lot of people still to this day go out of their way and watch when they wanna learn the basics of professional wrestling. But I guess the easiest question for you is how the hell are you and what's going on in the world to Tommy Rich these days?
3: Life is good, man. Life is good. Shoot. Uh been into about forty years now and, and uh wildfire still spread, man. You know, thank thank God for uh, great (laughs) fans.
7: The fans are definitely what's keeping wrestling alive, especially the old school wrestling. You know, there's so many cool things you can do now, whether it's going to conventions or going to your local indie show, or now things like the WWE Network that are uh, kind of showing new fans what it was like uh, to actually see wrestling and see some real old school action. But, you know, what do you think about today's fans, uh, maybe coming from all walks of life, young kids, old kids, no matter what, they all still go back to watch those old NWA tapes. They love to watch the wildfire, but what do you see with that? The different fans, the different ages, always, uh, going back to wrestling.
3: Well, it's, you know, and it is crazy because a lot of us had not been on TV in years and, uh, I go to some of these shows, and there's kids eight, nine years old that watch YouTube and uh, know all about time the wildfire, Rich. So, you know, it makes you feel real good, too.
7: Yeah, and the one thing... Whether,
3: whether, wrestling, whether, whether wrestling's a, a dying art, the old school folks will keep it in, you know. Wrestlers, they come and go... Uh, and, and and the seasons change, but the wrestling plans never change. They always go to what they like and uh whether well sit and watch some YouTube and mom and dad, uh watching some old school stuff, um I mean, it just surprises me how many kids come to the wrestling now. I mean, to the independent stuff that I do uh, traveling around. You know, I mean, of course, you know, the mom and dad are bring. Of course, that's what old school wrestling was built on to begin with. Uh, your grandparents, the mom and dad, and them kids all come like it was a big football game. Uh, you know, we'd run every Monday night in the same town 52 weeks a year. And dang near fill them up every week. Them days are gone.
7: Yeah, gone but not forgotten. You know, that's obviously to us, you know, John and I, that's the heyday. We still go out of our way to watch it. We still embrace it. We still go out of our way to uh, to kind of see new stuff that's coming out all the time. And the big thing, and I think one of the things we really want to get your opinion on is the fact that the WWE Network, for its, uh, you know, almightiness that it is, uh, finally went out and uncovered the famed last battle of Atlanta, the match that inspired... Their hell in a cell, but what do you think about that? Finally reaching the airways after all these years, it was like almost like something of uh, a mythical proportion to match we always read about, we heard about, and if you weren't there, you never saw it. But what do you think about that finally being able to be seen by the masses now?
3: Well, you know, it, it shocking and amazed me. I mean, for a film to be gone that long and never seen, and I had no clue about it. Uh, you know, even being a copy of it. But, uh, to see it, man, it brought back a bunch of memories,
7: yeah, oh my gosh, I can only imagine it, you know, obviously, with Buzz Sawyer, who is a guy that doesn 't really get talked about anymore, and uh, maybe that 's because a lot of the newer fans you know they embrace the guys that are kind of put on the uh, you know the under the old microscope of the mainstream wrestling, but you know obviously an intense feud, obviously uh bloodshed but what are your memories looking back at the feud and kind of, uh, you know, it's hard to kind of wrap it up into one little quote, but, you know, take us back to uh, that era if you can and really uh, you know, tell us about the emotion behind the feud and the match.
3: Oh, well, Buzz, you know, it was a challenge. I wrestled him all over the country. Uh, two years, longest feud in wrestling history, I'm sure. You know, few years, the last 18 weeks, 12 weeks, something like that, you had a good run. Buzz and me traveled around the country, uh, Michigan, Ohio, just everywhere, Georgia, all over the South and North, and uh, sold them out everywhere we went, Columbus, Ohio. Uh, had them hanging by the Raptors, cage matches all around the country. Uh, and then we ended up the last battle of Atlanta, the hell in the cell. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's funny to look back because I never really related that to uh, –
5: Uh, the Hell in
3: a Cell that they have now because of the cage situation. And I look back at that cage, and it was definitely a raw cage match.
7: Oh, it's the the father of Hell in a Cell. It's by far the inspiration for Hell in a Cell. And it's uh, obviously your match is uh, three times more uh, brutal than what any kind of Hell in a Cell, maybe outside of uh, Mick Foley getting thrown off the top of one. I mean, what you guys did inside that cage is just... Unbelievable, but yeah, you guys feuded for such a long time, and it was really what a wrestling feud is. It's the culmination, and when you got into that match and what did you think about the structure itself when you got in? It was really like uh, putting two dogs inside of a cage and just letting you guys go at it, but what did you think of the structure itself getting in it?
3: Well it was it was kind of scary. It wasn't uh it wasn't built like the one that they have today. It was kinda of shaky. Uh Paul Ellen was up over the top in that uh little cage he was in and you, you get thinking, is that gonna fall on top of that cage and it all fall in? You just you didn't really know and uh I guess we wrestled for over twenty minutes in that thing too.
7: You know, and Shawn Michaels actually has mentioned the match as uh being the inspiration behind the hell in the cell, but I mean, you know, it's hard to compare them because it was so brutal. And yeah, having Ellering up there is—it's uh, just so crazy looking back that it was—it took this long for it to get out. But you know, I don't know with Buzz Sawyer. You know, just kind of give, tell the wrestling fan more about Buzz Sawyer. Obviously, we know, but you tell us about Buzz Sawyer. And kind of tell the fans what it is that, you know, they missed about his intensity. Because obviously he's been he's been gone for a very long time now. But tell us about Buzz <laughs> Sawyer and the intensity that you guys have. Well, I think, the,
3: I think the fans that watched this go around the country, I think they knew how intense he was. I mean, it was, uh, you know, you had to be on your toes with Buzz. I mean, you had to be on your toes in the ring. But with Buzz, it was it was different every night. You know, you didn't know where he was coming from, what he was doing. Yeah. Uh, he was about half crazy. He was like a rabies mad dog sometimes, you know. Um I seen him foam at the mouth and scare me to death. Now I don't know yeah. if he had rabies or not, but <laughs> hey, what's what's Chad doing? Chad is here. He is uh, he that was
8: a Chad he uh, He don't
3: speak. <laughs> he looks good, he looks good on this uh podcast. He's looking good. I just wondered if he talked. He don't have no questions?
7: No, yeah, yeah. No, was, that was me, was man. That was boy. Chad talking. <laughs> yeah, that was Chad, yeah. Oh
3: that was Oh no, well, on. I better call him Big John. His his voice is a little deeper than yours. <laughs> Chad's the right <rock laughs> voice. John's the methodical one. Methodical? Well, I don't know, but I'm kind of methodical now myself. <laughs> but uh, is is you know, wrestling's changed so much now. Anyway, uh, just uh, you know, from weekly territories to the way it is now, it's uh, I think it's too different. You know schools of wrestling you know like today and now of course now it's all entertainment but uh you know we had live they choreographed you know see i couldn't do that if i had to go out there and remember what i had to do then i'd be lost because i'd forget everything anyway you know it's kind of like bully bob armstrong said it's vaudeville and shakespeare you know is what we do you know ad libbing uh you go out there and listen to the crowd and give them a show
8: what do you think is missing from today's wrestling? Is it too much entertainment? Is it too much choreographed? Is it too much remembering? There's not enough selling, not enough psychology?
3: Uh, I don't know. I mean, I've got some good guys in WWE. I'm not saying that, but I mean, I, it's, a, it's a different psychology. now. I do know that. I mean, the psychology is a lot different than it used to be. Uh, you know, it just, uh, it's changed so much. I mean, it's... You know, people it's kinda like a magician. Once you know how a magician does a magic trick, you don't care as much about it. They're selling Hollywood now where we were selling wrestling, uh, is what I think. You know. They'd rather miss somebody if you're gonna hit somebody. I was I was in business if I missed somebody, they was gonna knock the dog stink out of me. You know, yeah. you didn't you didn't miss if you did something, you did it and you made it look good or you get beat up because you didn't.
8: It's not like uh, the old days where, uh, you know, you're wrestling Bruiser Brody or, you know, somebody like that where they're they're really going to hit you.
3: Well, the greatest people I've met in my life, Bruiser Brody, good man. Wrestling World lost him early as well as they did Buzz Sawyer. Uh, we've had a lot of them go before their time, you know, the Von Erics, uh You know, it's just sad. I mean, there ain't a lot in my age group left, you know. I mean, there's some... Older timers, and they like Ricky, Ricky and Robert, Rock and Roll Express, guys in my, you know, age group through there. There's a lot of us gone, you know, before their times, and that's, you know, that's kind of sad.
8: Oh yeah, absolutely. Way too many, uh, you know, gone too soon. And obviously, Brody's been gone for a while, but never forgotten because these guys were. It seems like larger than life in your era. More so than they are today. Wouldn't you kind of agree with
3: that? Yeah, oh, um, to me, yeah, most definitely. I mean, well, nobody remembers none of them guys up there in 40 years. I mean, they still remember Tommy Rich. I mean, so that's, that's, that's a pretty good claim to fame in itself, right there. Thank God for the fans again, you know. Uh, I've been very blessed, been very lucky. Any bad luck I had, I brought on myself, probably. You know, folks say what they want about me. Uh, kind of like that song Elvis Presley sang, I did it my way. Right or wrong, I guess you can say I did it my way. But, uh, and again, I have no regrets. Uh, it's, it's been good to me. Uh, keeping it up again a little bit, just starting back. Uh, I'm going to be in Sparks, Georgia this weekend. Be at uh, the Rassel The Rassel car may have got me listed yet, but I'll most definitely be there whether it's downstairs signing or whether I'm doing private signing. I just want the fans to know I will be at WrestleCon.
8: Nice. And it's funny, you know, with the fans obviously gravitating to you and we us saying that the wrestlers of your era were larger than life. Nothing kind of gets bigger than being the NWA or being the former NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Could you just kind of take us back to 1981 and winning the world title against Harley Race?
3: biggest uh biggest thing in in my wrestling career and and more so the reason being because uh it was Harley race that said they ought to do it, so a lot of respect for mr harley race uh to me the greatest champion ever was i mean he could be good, bad, he could be in between, he could wrestle all night, he'd get it right just whenever need be i mean uh you know i mean. Just to me, the best, I mean, Briscoes, Funks, Polaris, I mean, they, they were all great. And just to be, you know, to be be able to mention your name in that category, uh, there again, blessed. Thanks to the fans. Thanks to promoters. Thanks to Harley. Uh, you know, I, I just, uh, there again, I mean, I was in a big angle in Memphis. Jerry Lawler never had his head shaved. Uh, I hit under the ring for six hours under there. You know, come out and did that. So, I I mean, as far as all that stuff goes, I do have a couple of claims to fame. Whether they be recognized or not, wrestling fans know.
8: Oh, big time claim to fame. And I definitely want to talk about shaving Lawler's head. But, you know, beating Harley Race for the NWA Championship, you were so over at that point, they kind of say, you know, one of the best baby faces of all time is Tommy Rich. He just kind of, Talk about what that means. Like, how, how were you able to kind of grasp all the hearts and the minds of the fans and really be like that top babyface that everybody loves?
3: Because that's true. That's true. I didn't have to put on no no uh, no act because when I first come to Atlanta, which when I started in Tennessee, uh, you know, I mean, signing autographs stuff. That I just enjoyed doing that. I was eighteen years old. And thought that was as good as a box of chocolates. You know, somebody want my autograph. Uh, and then when I went to Georgia, Mister Barnett told me he said, "Tommy, my boy," he said, "Part of your job is out there, hugging babies, kissing mamas, and signing autographs." Well, I didn't have no problem with it, you know. So, and then and uh, come to Georgia. I was twenty nineteen, actually nineteen, uh, and shoot, come in here and, and uh I used to when I started we'd do Chattanooga TV and after T V we'd go over to uh Nick Goulis' uh cousin's place and eat eat and watch Georgia Championship Wrestling. Dirty Dick Slater and Bob Orton Jr., they were the tag team champions. Wrestling too was there. Uh you know, they just it was all great talent. I always come to Georgia because of seventeen and when I when I went, I was yes or no, sir, and uh had the most up, most respect for everybody I wrestled and, and listened and learned. I mean, uh Wilde McDaniels, one of the best baby faced in the world, you know. Uh, I mean I just had and and wrestled against the best too, you know, King Kong Mosca, Black Jack Lanza, Bobby Heeman, Baron Von Rasky. uh man, uh, Bruiser Brody wrestled with him, uh, you know, uh, just, I mean, I'm going all day. Austin Idol teamed up with him. I mean, uh, wrestled Bob Backlund in Augusta, Georgia. Beat Harley Race in Augusta, Georgia. You know, I mean, I I got to wrestle the the cream of crop, the best of the best, and and I listened to every one of them. You know, uh, and and that's and I'm so thankful I did because. Uh, you know, I never had a problem with any of them, uh, anything we, anybody was asked to do. We always did, and uh, so I'm very respectful of that, and that's and the that's reason I love old school so much too, I guess, because I just grew up in it.
8: Yeah, it's awesome to kind of be associated with all those guys and be associated as kind of the, the, the true baby face of all those guys and kind of stand out above everybody, you know, being so loved. But how come the NWA title run was basically a four-day title run and you lose it back to Harley Race? How come it wasn't a longer run?
3: Well, you'd to ask the bosses that, but uh, my take on it would be that staying in Georgia because the trails were close, I was home every night and could hit Stewart Avenue and, uh, you know, run the streets. And I didn't. I didn't care nothing about traveling around. You know, I had everything I wanted in Georgia, and and uh, it was a great honor to get that belt. I was young. um, to say everybody knew I drank, party, and uh, you know, that you know, I just I I, I was not ready for the responsibility because that takes a lot of responsibility. You know, I've seen Harley. Uh, be in Augusta, drive to Atlanta, catch a flight from there to Texas, from there to Florida, you know, and uh, they know they probably knew that I'd miss a couple of flights here and there and that world champion couldn't miss flights or you can't miss shows and, and uh which I always made my shows but you know I, I mean to be honest with you I, I couldn't tell you. You know, it's uh it's an honor to be in that class but I love to hell that long yeah I would, but I did hold it, so As far as that goes, I did it.
8: It's one of those great things where you're the NWA champ. No one can ever take it away from you, right? Yes,
3: sir. And we'll end up being the youngest because there ain't no NWA no more.
8: Right, yes, true. Yep. So pretty much known as one of the most prestigious world titles ever, and it's awesome when you just read the names of the guys, like you mentioned, the funks. Jack Frisco, Rick Flair, you know, Dusty Rhodes at one point. Obviously, Harley Ray. Oh, Rayson. yeah. Harley, so awesome go guys. go go
3: way back. says I mean, uh Senior, you know, I mean, just to even be, to even be listed in that group, it's honor, you know. So whether it was one or two years, it don't matter.
8: Now, you know, we mentioned kind of before about shaving Lawler's head and teaming with Austin Idol and stuff. When you really look at, at 1987 and the feud of the year was you and Austin Idol against Jerry Lawler and that just epic feud in Memphis, just one of those things you can go back and it just holds up so well. It's just awesome feud, just blood feud. Like you said, you were under the ring for that cage match when and Lawler gets his head shaved for six hours. Do you just take us back to working Lawler and working in Memphis and those crazy crowds?
3: Well, I've got... That was the first time I turned heel, you know, when I come back from Georgia, and um, they put me in Austin together, and of course, I bring Bam Bam Bigelow in, and just a different partner every week for Lawler against us, and uh, then we did the ball bus thing, and I was going to Japan, so I went to Japan for four weeks, and uh, come back in that, and got there and crawled up under the ring, I had an air mattress and a six-pack of beer, so I Drink a beer, go to sleep, wake up, pin the can, go back to sleep, do the same thing. You know, I was under there and I fell asleep. The first match started, and the first thing I heard was a bounce across the ring. And I jerked up and hit my head on the post in the bottom, about knocked myself out. But uh, it was wild. And then it took us after we after we did after I came out of the, from under the ring. It took us thirty minutes from the call extra police in uh, to get us back to the back. I mean, the people were so mad.
8: that is great though see
3: that's heat that's heat right there and uh, you know people still want to believe that's that's the reason I love going I still love what I do man you know uh, I ain't 20 years old no more and don't go at the pace I used to but I can still get out there and kick it around and uh, people still enjoy it so uh, as long as I can do that and the fans are happy with it. I'm happy with it because I I love going to town and seeing the fans. Man, it's it's uh you know I say I say you can't never quit. Uh, I don't think I could do it seven days, five seven days a week no more. I wouldn't even want to. But uh, the rest on the weekend some that's cool and to do the conventions, like you said. Uh, in the process of uh, talking to some folks about doing a documentary movie of myself. Got a few things going on and uh we'll see how they go. I'll be in Bristol next month, uh be in Richmond too. I got you know, I'm staying busy.
8: Now that would be a, quite a, a journey and quite a fun story kind of a, having a documentary huh, on your life and your career because 'cause you've literally you've been everywhere and obviously you know been wrestling for forty plus years.
3: Oh yeah, that's uh and that's what we're trying to get, you know, in the process of doing is as, as, uh, I've got a um, marketing guy and everything I'm talking to. And so, anyway, we'll just see. I got my fingers crossed.
8: Hmm. Now, I, I wanted to talk just uh, kind of briefly again about uh, Memphis, just because I love that feud so much uh, We, you teaming up with Austin Idol. Like you said, they brought in Bam Bam against Lawler, but – what was it about Lawler? You guys always mesh well together. And what was it about Lawler that he was so over with that crowd? Like you said, people literally wanted to kill you guys.
3: Well, I mean, Lawler was, uh, uh, like I was hiding in, in uh, Atlanta as a baby face. Lawler was the number one dog there. I mean, people just loved him. Of course, he lived in Memphis and, uh, you know, everything he did, you know. I mean, he just uh, – and he, he he could talk, he could work. I mean, so uh, I kind of wanted to turn heel and Memphis because you could be the number one heel, but you could be the number one babyface. Hmm. Right. So 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 it worked out good. It worked out good for me. And and uh, you know you've got you you. It's like as a as a babyface. Uh, you gotta shake hands and 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 don't force yourself to do it. If you don't want to do it, then you damn don't do it. But but that's I mean, if it wasn't for them folks, you wouldn't have a job, let alone getting to live your dreams. So so as as, as a, a good guy, man, you gotta be out there taking care of your business, and that that is the business. Uh, bad guy, if you're a bad guy, you can't do it. You didn't do it back then. You didn't do it. You wouldn't even see a bad guy outside the door watching a match. You know, that's, I mean, babies could go outside and watch and do whatever, but the heels, they stayed in the dressing room, and uh, that's why people would like you because they couldn't like them because them guys, like today, see, it's, uh, I don't know who sang the song, Wailing and Willing, maybe Where Have All My Heroes Gone. You ever heard that song?
8: Yep, I'm
3: not sure who sings it, though. Actually, that's Bob Joey, to be honest with you, where all the heroes gone. But anyway, see, that, I mean, that's, I think, and you asked me what WWE was missing. I think that's what you're missing. I mean, in today's wrestling, nobody wants to be a heel. Nobody wants to be a babyface uh, because the heels want to go out and talk to the people, so... And they just pick the ones they won't talk to. So that that kind of hurts the baby face because you're out there and you can't sign every one of the but he'll come because don't as many come to him. So, you know, to me, the mystique of, you know, I think you got to have good guys and bad guys. You know, what I mean, uh, Batman and Robin, the Long Range and Tonto. You know, we always had heroes. You know what I'm saying? Superman. There's always been heroes and. You know, I just think uh I think we've I think we've lost that, you know i uh, uh, I don't even think there's no heroes at all today, hardly period, wrestling or anywhere else. I think everybody worries about what everybody else thinks instead of just going out there and doing it.
8: I couldn't agree more, I definitely agree there's too many shades of gray. there's not enough real, true you know good guy versus bad guy going on. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, it
3: just don't you know, I mean which ever match ain't gotta be a good guy and a bad guy, don't get me wrong. But but that's what makes it click.
8: Absolutely. But it, but
3: there ain't no bad guys. There ain't no bad guys no more. Uh I mean John's seen a great baby face, but he's he's been there so long that some of the people don't like him no more
8: oh john cena yeah he's getting a bit stale i would say
3: you know i mean it's hard i mean how long has he been there it's hard to you know just to be the top you know the top thing and not have it's it's a lot of the same guys just over and over and and like when we had territories, everybody, I might have stayed in Georgia and Mauler stayed in Memphis, but the rest of the car changed. You know, it was different places and good quality talent coming through there.
8: Absolutely. And it's funny, you know, we were talking about Memphis, didn't you start your career in Memphis? I know we were talking about kind of 87 and that also you were lower, but isn't that where you got your start? Did you get your kind of training under uh a- you know Jared and Yamamoto in Memphis?
3: Yeah, yeah, Tojo uh, to trained me, and Jared, uh, and, you know, that's, yeah, I started there. That's, yeah, and worked there for, I started, right before I turned 18, I guess started in Georgia, I think turned 2019, something like that.
8: Yeah, that was most of a learning experience with uh, Tojo Yanomoto and Jerry Jarrett, right?
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because you're talking about a kid. I was really a kid then, you know, starting out. And, but, you know, they, they taught me, and there again, I just listened. And uh, got the chance to go to Atlanta and went. And,
0: Hey, let's pause for one second and remind you that today's episode is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Eat Your Coffee. Eat Your Coffee is a coffee company that was founded by coffee-deprived college students that pioneered a new category in caffeinated natural snacks. The company's first product line, Eat Your Coffee Bars, are a date-based snack bar caffeinated with fair trade coffee, which would be comparable to one cup, and made with real ingredients so you can feel good with every energizing bite. Eat Your Coffee snack bars are non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, kosher, 70% organic, and available in three delicious flavors, including fudgy mocha latte, salted caramel macchiato, and peanut butter mocha, my personal favorite. Now that is an energizing combination because they are on a mission to help get people energized with naturally caffeinated snacks made with real, ethically sourced ingredients. So if you want more information, head on over to www.eatyour.coffee as well as follow them on Instagram, follow them on Facebook, follow them on Pinterest, and follow them on Twitter and get all, the information on how you can energize the moment with eat your coffee bars you know I, I wanted to mention this it's kind of skipping around
8: just a little bit but i just wanted to mention about your time in ecw because it was so much different than the rest of your career i mean obviously a top huge babyface nwa champ and then you go to memphis and you're you know it's hot in the top heel basically and that tears through for a bit but you know You go on to WCW or USWA or Smoky Mountain. But ECW intrigued me because you were the big Don. You played, you know, basically the Italian guy of the FBI, the Godfather. What was it like playing that role? Because that's a lot different than what you were used
3: to. Oh, I had a blast. I had a blast. Uh, You know, they asked me would I do it. Don't mind doing it a bit. You know, I had never done it, but. I ain't never been at a loss of words either, so I didn't figure I'd have had no problem with it.
8: And obviously you know she, well, had, Paul Heyman very well from the Memphis ahead. days.
3: Oh, yeah, he managed me at Austin, yeah. Yeah. Sarah, he, uh, he I guess about a year or so.
8: Were you comfortable doing, you know, the manager role, obviously playing the godfather or the the big Don, if you will? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, I had a blast.
3: I loved doing it. Uh, I mean, it was a dream job. You know, I had to get in there and take too many bumps. I mean, I took a few bumps when we did six mans. And, uh, you know, of course, I don't usually get into it a little bit. But, oh, yeah, it it was real good. And, shoot, we had as good a heat as anybody up there. And, and we wasn't beating each other to death. They got mad because we was doing Tennessee, Tennessee spots, and the mother boys were cracking chairs and breaking them over everybody's head, and they started doing what we was doing, and uh, Paul Lee come said, oh, no, y'all can't do that no more, you know, because he wanted it violent.
8: Oh, yeah. The Southern-style... Of wrestling, I guess meets the northern hardcore style. Yeah,
3: I mean, I I mean I've seen some folks get hit. I mean, but they they just thought that was the greatest thing. Going probably half of them well, had dementia because they busted all them chairs over their heads. I mean, you know, I mean, you see all this stuff about concussions. I mean, and I've seen them just buckling chairs over a head. You know, I mean not throw their arms up or nothing, thinking that was tough. It's kind of stupid to me. If I'm in a bar fight and somebody throws a chair at me, go hit me in my head, I'm going to throw my arms.
8: <laughs> you know. Yep. But. What were the crowds like there? Was that kind of a, a different uh, crowd than you were used to because they were a little bit more bloodthirsty, a little bit uh, crazier? Obviously, the southern crowd is, is a bit different than the northern crowd.
3: No, I mean the crowd's about the same. I mean,
5: the uh, and I think
3: like when I heard ECW when they when they tried to come south, it's more of a Bible Belt here, I believe, or something because you know up there them folks cuss uh, you know cuss worse than a sailor, and uh, you know in the south. I mean that was e c w the violence and the and the cussing and i mean that was e c w so they couldn't come south and tone it down and I just think all the cussing and stuff were hurting so bad in the south
8: oh yeah and interesting thing you know with e c w the you know the hardcore nature of it, and you kind of mentioned with the, you know the concussions or or kind of the, the psychology of it, it's definitely a different thing. But we talked to Little Guido, and he was saying he learned so much from you and Tracy Smothers and having you guys um, kind of as his mentor down there.
3: Well, because, I mean, Little Guido was one of us, you know. Everywhere has clicks, and, and uh, when I put him with us, I just, you know, I mean uh, – he was working with the office and doing stuff, and when he got with us, I mean, you know, we, we treated him like one of us, not like an office person, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so, he, yeah, it was a good experience, and he was a blast to work with, you know, do anything you asked him to do, so we had a good time with it, yeah, I mean, Tracy, Tracy, Tracy taught him a lot, It's uh, and it is, it's a lot different, the South and Northern style, it's always been, you know, a lot different, uh, so... You know, I just, uh, like I said, I've been very fortunate to get to go where I've gone and do what I've done and uh, still be alive and talking about it.
8: And as I start to wind it down here, you know, we've mentioned so many great things. The battle of Atlanta, the feud with Buzz Sawyer, the feud with Jerry Lawler, obviously the feud with Harley Race winning the NWA title. But do you have a couple of favorite matches or maybe, you know, a match or two that, that really stick out in your career as some of your favorites? Uh,
3: shoot, I wrestled that big little Butcher one night at the uh, Army. while He was supposed to wrestle Wahoo, and and Wahoo got in a fuss. And I ended up wrestling at Thanksgiving night. He told me that I was in the ring. He said, slam me, kid, slam me, kid. I said, and he brought away Paul on the balance. I said, I can He said, I said, slam me. Anyway, I went down, picked him up, and he went up like he weighed 100 pounds, you know, and that building went, oh, just a sound like that, and uh, in Augusta, Georgia, where I beat Harley Race, uh, you know, um, I mean, just, and when we started going up north to West Virginia and all them places, I mean, we sold out everywhere we went, and every time we went, so I was just uh, very blessed. To have the wrestling fans, to have the talent uh, to and, and that I got to wrestle with, uh, you know, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, I just talk about it sometimes. And just very blessed. I am very blessed and thankful.
8: Now, you had so many great opponents in your career. I mean, we could probably list uh, a million of them. But do you have a couple? of your, like, all-time favorite opponents that you got in there with, somebody you had better chemistry with, somebody you really, really clicked in there with?
3: Well, uh, like with me and Wahoo wrestled, Ole and Ivan,
8: I, Ole and Gene, I mean,
3: uh, you know, I mean, I, I wrestled Stan Hanson when he first came to Georgia, Stan the bad man, and uh, he took him to glass off. He couldn't see, I mean, he beat the daylights out of you, but you always had a good match, you know, I mean, uh and he was he was greener than I was when he first came to Georgia, but I still of course I had to listen to him. He didn't do a whole lot. He wiped him legs and, uh, you know. So, I mean, I, I just learned even Ox Baker. I learned a lot from Ox. I mean, I just I tried to learn something from everybody, you know, that I wrestled with, and because uh, if they had to, if they had the time to sit with me and tell me something, then I was dang sure gonna listen.
8: That is a you know a great.
3: I thing mean to Tony be. Atlas, Tony Atlas and me were uh, first song Pepper Tag Team in Georgia to be the heavyweight Tag Team champions. Uh, you know, you know I've, I've crossed quite a few barriers in this business and very blessed to have done it.
8: I love that the salt and pepper tag team. I, I, I like that. You guys really, oh, yeah. really were right, especially in, in that area. Oh
3: yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, seventy nine, yeah. Blackfell 78, I think, when we won the belts. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's the first night I come to Atlanta City Auditorium from Tennessee, After the Butcher beat me in 30 seconds. I thought, boy, I need to go home back to Tennessee. And uh, But I stuck it out, and the fans got behind me, and uh, then they put me and Tony together, and, you know, it was just off to the races from there. He gave me the name Wildfire, and, uh, you know, I mean, it just, uh, the rest is history.
8: And wildfire is uh, such a great nickname, and, and so iconic, and so remembered, you know, with you and for you. But I always remember in, in WCW, which is kind of funny, it was that it was a weird, like, kind of heel turn for you. I was like, shocked by it when I was a kid. You were in the York Foundation. You became Thomas. Yeah. yeah,
3: yeah, that was a that was a a pun at Terry Tyler, Ricky Morton, and myself. You know, they. Uh, I mean Ricky's a great baby face and uh you know they didn't they, that's why they did that. They didn't want us to baby until whether they tried to beat us or not, we knew how to get over and uh you know, I think that had a lot to do with that. That's about the goofiest thing I ever done. That I didn't think made sense.
8: You know. I was going to ask you, did you like it? Because it really was. It was strange because you and you know Richard Morton, aka Ricky Morton, were the two best babyfaces of your you know of your ever there. It's kind of weird. Yeah. To heels, oh yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, he, you just come in, take a territory over, turn to the top babyface i would never been healed there before. Yeah, it was kind of crazy and dumb, if you ask me. But. I'll tell you, somebody else I enjoyed wrestling was Lex Luger. Hmm. Some folks some folks didn't like to wrestle him, but I had a good time wrestling
8: him. What was it about Lex that, you know, you guys meshed well together?
3: Well, he just, uh, he just had respect for old school. And, uh, I wrestled him one night with WCW. they just wanted him to go out there and, uh, take the whole match me and he went out there and went 25 minutes and had a contest and uh they couldn't believe it in the back and uh you know i mean we had a hell of a match and i just always respected lex since then i mean a lot of people have their opinion and uh
5: stuff happens
3: and whatever you know uh but he was always very respectful to me so you know
8: He, uh, Shoot, he's a
3: great guy, uh, underrated talent. Oh yeah, I mean maniac Mark Lewin. I I met him. Shoot, I just uh, I'm the oh, man. You know, I mean just uh, I got to I got to rub elbows with all the all the famous in the wrestling.
8: Yeah, he wrestled uh, the all time greats, and I remember you know if you go back and watch some of those. uh, Mid Atlantic uh, Championship Wrestling mat- title matches uh, against Rick Flair for the world title or, or classics as well.
3: Yeah, and, and had some great matches with Rick. I mean, and Rick was one of them. as they said they said get us twenty, he's gonna go forty five to an hour. Which with him, it was just a cake because all you had to do was hold on and listen, you know.
8: Oh, absolutely! He's one of the. Uh, the all-time grace it's like uh, the ultimate heel in Flair, you know, against the ultimate babyface in Tommy Rich. Yeah. Now, you worked everywhere. I mean, AWA, um, Southeastern Championship Wrestling, Continental. Obviously, we mentioned CWA and Memphis at Lawler, WCW, CW, Smoky Mountain, all Japan, new Japan. Do you have a favorite territory you worked? Would it be Georgia championship wrestling or, or maybe, um, Memphis? Oh, uh, I would say
3: Georgia. actually, For a simple reason. I mean, uh, it, you know, I was green. and started in Tennessee, but it come to Atlanta. Still a green cornbread country boy. And they just took me in and, uh, you know, Ole Anderson, if it had been up to him, he'd have fired me that first week. And Mr. Barnett said, no, I'm keep the kid. And uh, the fans got behind me. And so it was it, – I grew up a lot in Atlanta. You know, I ain't never been away from home. Uh, so that's my first time. And and uh, it just, you know, it was a great ride. Atlanta would be my favorite. And I love Tennessee too, don't get me wrong. Uh, but and there again, I mean – Everywhere, West Virginia, uh, Ohio, Michigan. I mean, we wrestled all, and the fans just, uh, like I said, uh, don't know why. Lord bless me, whatever. But, uh, I mean, everywhere I went, the fans, the fans love Tommy Ridge, you know. And, and, but there again, it's because I enjoyed, I love I doing what I do, and I love them folks for letting me live a dream. So the more I could do for them, the better it was for me. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it, it's just uh, – and and when I went to Memphis, it was a bad guy. I was a bad guy. I was one of them that stayed in the back. Uh, and when I went out, if you give me your paper, I tore it up. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So, you know, I just uh, – just always been true because they taught me if you heal your hips your baby face your baby face and uh you know it's uh you just gotta love what you're doing and i i like i said i still love doing it today you know
7: that's because you're a pro's pro to say the least i told you john was going to get very methodical about your entire career there (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, I
3: know he yeah. about got me winded he told me he told me it was about 20 minutes I know it's been longer than that I about winded and uh, then he okay. kept leaving he kept leaving he keep he leaving and in he laid me hanging I quit saying something he wouldn't ask me a question <laughs> I got a sister I got a sister-in-law I got a sister-in-law that does that she'll call and say hello and then you gotta ask her the questions but well, what do you call me for? You All know right, what I'm well, saying? Let's do the big finish. This is the high spot. This is
7: uh, the way we uh, we like to finish it out. Is you look at your career, it's obviously it's one of the best. It's one of the most talked about, one of the most revered, the wildfire, the NWA champion. But what is Tommy Rich's legacy left in professional wrestling?
3: Just always be true to who I am in the fans, man. You know... Uh, because without, you know, like I said there again, I mean, I keep referring to it because I believe in it so much. But, uh, you know.
7: Hey, man, but I'd like to say, any...
3: too, that the, that the the fans, i tell you what, let's do. Y'all have a lot of folks tune in to y'all? Oh, yeah. Big time. Got over
7: 50 people tune in?
3: Over 50? Yeah, more than, a lot more than 50. <laughs> <laughs> see, I tried to piss you off to get a rise out of you. I can't even make you mad by saying that. Well, I'll tell you what let's do. Let's see, get everybody to call in, and you tell, see, tell, let them tell you what they think. Uh, and if you get enough uh, response to it, I'll come back on and answer some questions. We'll let them do a call in.
7: All right, I like that. It's a little different. We can uh, we can definitely facilitate that. So you want the listeners to know, and I'll pose it like this: You want the listener feedback on the the Tommy Rich legacy, the Tommy Rich career, and then uh, we could kind would of would they
3: like me to come on and ask some questions?
7: I think they would love that a lot. If you're down for it, I'm sure everybody would uh, line up for it. Bye.
3: I and I just want everybody to know. I know y'all had me advertised for it. I just wanted everybody to know it wasn't y'all's fault. it's my fault. Um,
8: I had
3: some things going on. But anyway, just wanted everybody to know that was my fault. That's on me, not y'all.
8: Hey, no problem at all. Thank you uh, very much, Mr. Rich, for coming on. And uh, we know you are the wildfire, and we know you did it your way.
0: (laughs) Y'all have a blessed night.